Hello, sweet sisters, and welcome to Cosmic Conceptions, a place where we acknowledge that women are of nature and the stars. My name is Athena, and I'll be your guide as we explore esoteric transmissions on fertility astrology, conscious conceptions, women's health, and more. Here we will not shy away from the radical, the controversial, or the spiritual. So grab your tea, and let's get cosmic. everyone happy moon day today is a really exciting episode for us because we're going to be sharing our first cosmic conception story from someone who is in our audience and has been in touch with me um, as an instagram friend for quite some time now so today we're going to be interviewing ryan who is sharing her story about her journey through five and a half years of quote-unquote unexplained infertility before ultimately receiving the beautifully kismet conception of her son. We cover many layers of her experience, including the allopathic approach, stepping into true well-being, healing endometriosis, untangling the illusion of the regular period, shifting her family's energy through a big move, and then ultimately getting pregnant one month after moving into a camper on her new land. We also touch on the transits of her conception and what I saw in her chart that accompanied the arrival of her son. But before we get into that, I do have a little bit of an announcement because we are up-leveling the Substack offering in a really big and exciting way. So basically, since last week, you now have the ability to support the show through a monthly subscription of $11 that will be through the Substack platform. And Through this subscription, of course, you'll be able to support me in making these free episodes and more free articles on Substack, but you'll also be able to now have access to the bonus material that I will continue producing for the episodes and will continue to be in the show notes, but those will now be available to paying subscribers. In addition to having access to the bonus content, I'm also going to be doing monthly Ask Me Anythings on Substack. So that's going to be a really great place to ask me more detailed questions that I can elaborate on in a voice message and maybe it's more difficult to get into in, in you know Instagram DMs or something like that. So if you have a chart placement you want to ask me about um, or you have a specific question about um, natural healing or fertility approaches or anything like that, that's going to be a really great place that you can access my knowledge and wisdom when it comes to this topic of women's health, fertility astrology, and the preconception space. The third offering that you will receive through your paying support are my very personal and very vulnerable Cosmic Conception Diary entries. So if you already subscribed to the Substack last week, you received my first entry titled No Money, No Home, No Baby. And it introduces you to the very, very beginning of my journey, which sort of happened um, early 2021, in which I declared to some friends. Uh, over Zoom that I was going to embark on a conscious conception journey. And of course, at the time, I actually had no idea what the fuck that meant (laughs) or what I was even intending to do with that declaration. And then, of course, my family 
spent the next two years moving through a massive tower moment of epic proportions. So if you want to hear a little bit more about that, of course, you can go back to the first episode of this podcast in which I touch a little bit on what we have pinned up to and what that has looked like for us for the past three years, essentially since the birth of my daughter and the whole 2020 debacle. I will also put a link to that first episode entry in the show notes so you can access it really quickly if you're interested in reading more about that. So some of the other topics that I kind of have in the queue that I'd like to explore in that space include why I stopped trying to heal, do siblings close in age equal friendship, letting go of tandem nursing, do babies really bring abundance, everyone is pregnant but me, a monologue, why I'm not getting labs done, no, not even minerals, how to be truly well-nourished on a budget, and when women leave pleasure behind to make a baby. So we are going to cover it all. I don't think there is any topic that will be off limits for me in this space, and I'm really looking forward to connecting with you on a more personal level. So circling back to the bonus content for the podcast, the uh, bonus material for this episode uh, will be accessible in the show notes if you have uh, if you are a paying supporter of the show, and it's going to be really fun. It's actually Um, the live, well, not the live, the recording of the chart reading that I did for Ryan immediately following um, our recording session together. So you are going to have access to the video recording of me actually doing her medical astrology reading. You're going to be able to see her chart on the screen and kind of get a sense for what it's like to have your chart read. What are some things that we look at when we are assessing the constitution of the natal chart, how I make suggestions that are elemental, planetary, and herbal based on what I see in the chart. Uh, And it's going to be a really great Um, and fun learning experience. So again, if you're interested in accessing that, if you're interested in receiving the bonus content for future episodes, for being able to submit questions to the monthly AMA, and for accessing my very personal Cosmic Conception Diaries, check out the show notes, click the link to subscribe, and become a paying supporter of Cosmic Conceptions for just $11 a month. I want to shout out to my very first supporter, uh, Carrie. Thank you so much for uh, subscribing to Cosmic Conceptions and being a supporter of the show. So without any more delay, let's get right into it. All right, everyone, welcome to this episode. I'm so excited because we're here with Ryan and her and I have been chatting, I think for a few years on Instagram, kind of back and forth. Um, And I was really excited when you shared with me a little snippet of your cosmic conception story. And I just knew that I had to get you on to talk more (laughs) about it. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us your moon sign and your ancestral lineage? Hi, I'm Ryan. Um, My moon sign is Scorpio. And my lineage is uh, Western European, I think is the best way to describe it. There's not any one lineage that is um, very prominent 
within my family. Um, very mixed. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. So yeah. why don't you start by telling us, I mean, start with where you feel the story begins, which may be, um, you know, the moment that you knew you wanted to try to have a baby, or maybe there's a piece from your maidenhood even before that, that kind of informed how you ended up approaching your cycles or, or pregnancy. Um, yeah, wherever feels like the right place to begin for you. Um, I think, I think it's the, the actual beginning. Uh, <laughs> um, so I wasn't very connected with my cycles or anything, anything like that, um, until I wanted to have a baby and I was, I'm from a family of seven children. Um, my mom had seven complication-free pregnancies over like 12 and a half years. I think there's 12 and a half years between me and my youngest brother. And so it seemed like a given and like it would be something very easy and something that I wouldn't have to think about. And so when I wanted to have a baby, I was like, okay, let's go off the pill and let's do all the things because, you know, I, that's where I was at the time, you know? So then it, it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen. Um, I think it was about 18 months um, before I did conceive for the first time. And I lost that pregnancy at about six weeks. Mm-hmm. And that of course was devastating because uh, on top of not ever imagining that it would be hard, I also didn't have any personal experience with loss. My mom didn't have any miscarriages. My sister hadn't. Um, and it was just like, wow, this is this. All the things are happening to me. Right. So, um, you know, we did some allopathic model testing, lots of normal test results, lots of band-aids thrown at it. Um, I had another miscarriage in 2014 and that one was about 18 months after the, the first one. Um, and then I didn't actually conceive my son till 2017. And so we, spent five and a half years in that infertility space with, you know, again, lots of normal test results, lots of um, non-answers like this is unexplained. We don't know. We don't know why it just sometimes happens this way. And, you know, here's what we can, here's what we can do about it. You know, of course. So there's like, we, we did IUI several rounds. Um, It did Clomid, even though it never really felt good because I'm like, I'm, I'm ovulating regular, regularly. I can see this, you know, I, I'm normal. Why do I need this? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like that was my option because they didn't have any answers. They weren't looking for any answers. Right. And so. And can you tell um, us what kinds was, of, what kinds of tests um, are routine when you're in that situation? So like, what did they have you do? So semen analysis is uh, early on. That's one of the things they do first. Mm-hmm. Um, my my husband actually ended up doing two. Um, 
one was really basic at the beginning. And then one after we had been trying for, uh, I would say two to three years, they repeated it on a more comprehensive level. Um, he was pretty normal for me. There were, there was some basic thyroid testing, um, estrogen levels, progesterone levels. Um, there was, there's another, there's other kinds of testing, um, for, I think it's FSH, um, which tests, you know, your egg quality, I guess, I think that's an egg quality test or AMH. I don't remember. Um, so there's, you know, a variety of different tests where, you know, I had a lot of them repeated. So I could see over time that I was having consistently normal results. And I was seeing that reflected in my cycles because they were very regular. Um, I was and having were doing fam. Were you doing fam during this time? Like uh, charting yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Charting. So I was doing basal body and, um, ovulation tests. I was taking the ovulation tests and I, I suck at cervical mucus. <laughs> I hate, I hate charting that. I don't know what it is. I cannot stand <laughs> it. I feel like, I feel like there's, uh, it, I don't know. It annoys me to no end and I hate charting it. So I've gotten <laughs> to the point where I just, I can feel it and I know where I'm at in my cycle based yeah. on it. And I just don't bother to chart it. <laughs> I just know because I just, I can't stand it. I, I had a early on, I had our, uh, our family doctor, she teaches Creighton and, or she doesn't teach Creighton, but she uses that as her, her method when she's working with, uh, working with patients. So she had me learn Creighton and I hated it because that's entirely, it's in, it's a, it's one of the Catholic church sanctioned fertility awareness methods oh, that is basically entirely it's a uh, entirely based on your cervical mucus and it's very complicated mm-hmm. well it, it was for me I did not like it and I'm like I would never try if I were trying to avoid pregnancy I would never trust this <laughs> I know <laughs> so um so yeah we had uh we had lots and lots of normal you know, mm-hmm. and that was so frustrating because yeah. they didn't, there was no reason that this should be happening. And there was no, like, nobody could find a reason. Nobody wanted to find a reason. And it was so frustrating. And it was very much from the get go, like, what's wrong with me? I was mm-hmm. not yet in the space of what is my body communicating to me? What is my body need? What is it asking for? Um, what is she, what does she need from me? I was not there. And I, I don't know that something like this would have landed for me then. I hope that it would. Um, <laughs> because we've always been, we've always been somewhat uh, holistic, holistically minded, but when it came to that, it was like, I was, I was full all of that. <laughs> and I didn't want to right. be, but it, that felt like, that felt like the thing that had the answers. But as I was in it, there, this, it doesn't have answers. There's no answer in this, you know? Yeah. So I, 
um, they did a test for MTHFR and that was positive. And they did a test for some blood clotting factors after I'd had my second miscarriage. And one of those was positive. So then they were like, well, you can't ever go on birth control again. You can't, (laughs) it's too dangerous for you. How long were you you on birth control before you five years. And I had been on it. So like, fortunately I was very low risk for any blood clots to begin with, but, uh, yeah, they don't test you for any, any blood clotting issues until you, uh, until you have a problem. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a huge problem for me as far as the, uh, as far as, uh, birth control and uh, OBGYNs go is that they don't, they know that there can be these issues and they ask you about your history, your family history. And they ask about whether you smoke and they look at your age and that's it. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they don't proactively give you this test and say, you know what, this is not good for you. So we're not going to do it. They just hand you a prescription, you know? So, so um, we spent about four, four and a half years in that, very allopathic space. And my husband the whole way was like, why are we forcing this? Why Mm -hmm. are we forcing it? And I'm like, well, because obviously there's something wrong. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's him. He was like, he was okay. We'll, we'll do what you think, but I don't know why we're doing this. Right. That's sweet. Obviously, obviously it is. And there were, we had some arguments about that. Um, Mm. But, and he was very much like, it's gonna, we're fine. We're fine. And it will happen when it's supposed to happen. He was Mm -hmm. very, very much that way the whole way through. (laughs) I was stuck in that allopathic, there's something wrong with me space. So, uh, I finally found, and I, I cannot remember how I found him, but he is a, uh, holistic fertility specialist. So he utilizes like traditional Chinese medicine and functional medicine practices. And, uh, he works with you on your diet. He does supplementation. He does whatever. And he, he does work alongside couples who are doing IVF and IUI, like he will do that. Um, But he was the first one who talked to me, took my whole history, looked at my whole self and was like, there's a reason. And nobody's found it because they're not looking for it. Mm -hmm. But you can get pregnant. This is not, there's nothing keeping you. There's really nothing keeping you from getting pregnant, like reproductively, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And that was such a huge weight. It was paradigm shifting for me because up until that point, it was like, what was wrong? What was wrong? What's wrong with me? And he, he lifted that a little bit. And there are a lot of things that he had me do um, as far as supplements go and things like that, that I maybe wouldn't do now yeah. because, but it's been five, it's been over it's well, it's actually been more like six years now. I don't, so I don't know that I would do everything or that I agree with that approach entirely now, but at mm-hmm. the time, that's what I needed. Yeah. And 
it shifted everything. So he, we did anti and like anti-inflammatory diet. So he, like we did a lot of um, removing things from my diet. He had me um, really working on my digestion um, to make sure that I was actually absorbing what I was taking in. Um, we were doing, I was doing steaming, like Yoni steaming. I was mm. doing castor oil packs. I was doing, uh, he had me do um, moxibustion, which I love. Mm. I still love it. <laughs> it's wonder. It's wonderful. The first couple of days of my cycle. That's basically, that's basically all I do do it oh, for that, now. That's but something that I haven't like, tried yet, but I want to experience. Lots of warmth and oh, it's nice. It's yeah. nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we did lots of those things and just really worked on nourishing my body and healing it. And there were, as I was going through it, it was to the point where I felt so much better. I had gotten to the point where I, I didn't realize how bad I felt until I started feeling well. And I was feeling vibrant and my my periods had never been particularly hard, but they were easier. And there were some, there had been some uh, symptoms that I was having prior to that, like uh, spotting, like brown spotting prior to starting my period. And it was like, it got, I think at the worst, it was about three or four days. And then he was like, well, you know what? You've got markers in some of your your test results, you've got markers for some autoimmune stuff. In traditional Chinese medicine, we look at endometriosis as traditional Chinese eras. Oh my goodness, I can't talk. <laughs> uh, we look at endometriosis as being autoimmune. We treat it that way. He said, "I, you don't need to be tested for endometriosis. We don't need to like go have a laparoscopy done to figure that out. I think it's probably reasonable that there is some of that activity going on. So what we're doing now is going to address that. And it did. There were so many things that were, that didn't really seem connected at the time that were uh, healed during the course of this, like my whole body. And that was, I just wanted to interject really quickly. I think it's such a good place to point out that, Sometimes um, I think because maybe our standards, the standards within our culture in terms of like what it really feels like to be healthy, right? Like a lot of people or a lot of women look at their cycle and will think like, oh, it's regular. And so Mm -hmm. everything must be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like because of it's great to bring awareness to the fact that our, our cycles should be irregular, but that's also, it's like, such a small, like, yes. ha, like such a small part of the picture and also doesn't mm-hmm. take into consideration that there are so many reasons why a cycle would intelligently not be regular and have that not be reflective of there being mm-hmm. a healing response present, right? Like just even in terms of right. how is it syncing with the seasons? How is it syncing with the moon? How is it syncing with your fertile moon phase? Um, how is it adapting yeah. to your levels of stress, right? So like there's also mm-hmm. lots of ways in which the cycle yeah. might not be regular and how that's okay too. But then, and then on the other side, it's like, oh, yes. well, if, if your cycle's regular, right? Like this is like the gold standard of what we what we're looking at to see how well we are and 
And then you, you know, moving through this and then realizing, oh my gosh, like here I was thinking I felt so great and my cycles were regular. So everything's fine. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. And it's that this is kind of the point where I am now in my learning that the, the regularity isn't necessarily what we want because our bodies should adapt We're flexible, living human beings. We are not robots. We shouldn't necessarily have, you know, we should have a window of normal that is okay, Mm -hmm. but we should be intelligent enough to look at our cycles and our life and recognize when things might be off and how that's okay because our body's intelligent. Like it's going to delay ovulation if you're very stressed and things are not optimal, you know, mm-hmm. um, you might be, like you said, you might be sinking with a season or the moon and it just needs to be okay to fluctuate and it needs to be, um, it just, yeah, we need to have such a different conversation about what our cycles should look like. We really, we really do. And that's, I mean, one of the things that I'm aspiring for my daughter is to have a broader sense of awareness and knowledge about my cycle so that I can teach her so that she doesn't have to do this work that I have to do now (laughs) because I didn't, I got, I got next to nothing, you know, no education when I was growing up and I, I had to learn all of it Mm -hmm. when I started trying to have a baby. So it was, about five and a half years, I finally conceived my son. Mm. And, um, and you also mentioned was, to me yeah. that you knew <laughs> and at that point. I, we did. Yeah. Right. So uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of how the timing worked out. It was right after Christmas. So it was the very beginning of 2017. And we had been living in our house um, for, oh, it must have been a good six or seven years at that point. Um, We initially, it was actually my husband's grandmother's house, his grandparents' house. We bought it from her. We rented it for a little while. We bought it from her. And we had just, we had some neighbors move in that we didn't really care for. And I don't really remember what triggered it, but it was, it was my husband. He was like, you know what? We're going to go talk to a realtor. <laughs> He's like, I just want to see. Okay. I didn't really, I didn't have a whole lot of attachment to the house, you know? So I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, and we did, we decided to go put it on the market because we, we wanted more property. We had about three acres. Um, And it was connected to some other family members. And that was nice, but we wanted to be a little bit farther out. We wanted um, a little bit more space. And we did. We we moved very quickly and moved in with my husband's grandmother. Same one. (laughs) Uh, Moved in with her for a short window. And um, we were... Let's see. So that was March. We, I think March, we bought our property that we live on now. So we sold our house and we were moved out 
in February. We bought our current property in March. I conceived in April. <laughs> wow. So yeah, it was in the middle of all of that. And so we ended up in a camper on our property from <laughs> May until February. So I did my whole pregnancy <laughs> in <gasps> a camper and wow. like six weeks postpartum. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Did you give birth in the camper? <laughs> I did not. I, this is, this is the, the lingering allopathic terror Mm. of losing my son. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were like, you need to do blood thinners because of the blood clotting. And so I did all the things I had midwives and I was, I thought surely I would have closer to the birth experience that I wanted. I was too, I was high risk apparently. So I was not allowed to birth at their birth center. (laughs) Yes. So they wouldn't let me use their birth center. So Mm -hmm. I had a midwife assisted birth in the hospital, Mm -hmm. which was not, uh, not at all what I wanted. (laughs) Um, and I didn't, even in labor, I was, I was telling my husband, I don't want to leave. I don't, I don't want to leave here. I don't want to stay here or I I don't want to go. I want to stay right here. Yeah. And we were both so unprepared for that possibility the idea of having a baby in a camper that was parked inside <laughs> our shop because it was so cold. It's January. Our pipes were freezing. So my husband moved the whole camper in the shop. So we had a, basically a biodome that we were living wow. in. It was like a cave within a cave. Oh my gosh. It was so dark. Um, so the idea of staying was a little terrifying, but I wish I had. I really wish I had. <laughs> Um, because I got there and it was just, I I hated the whole experience. Yeah. Um, but my son was fine. He was, he was born. He's happy. He's healthy. He is Mm -hmm. the most persistent, wild, feral child I've ever met in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the whole journey to get him here is very reflective of who he is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which is, and it's wild. That's a whole, that's probably a whole other conversation, but. <laughs> um, and then I'm so curious, uh, cause I think you also mentioned to me that your partner had to do a lot of work alongside you. So did he also have revelations that he was not feeling as well as he thought that he was when you were going through um, the whole. His, to some, to some extent, but his, healing has really taken place after Mm. we had our son. So he, his, um, that really for him started about, oh, two and a half or three years post. Well, when my son was about two and a half or three, um, that's really when his started. Um, And he's always been, kind of been along for the ride for the things that I wanted to do to improve our family's health. And there was, there were things that he discovered along the way that were very beneficial. He had, when we first started dating, he had terrible digestive issues, heartburn and digestive issues that he was able to resolve with diet changes and shifts like that. And then just the, the shift in awareness that this is low stomach acid and by taking 
you know, things like Pepsid, it's making it worse. <laughs> um, so he, you know, he did that by himself. Um, he, he did a lot of things around digestion and he's still working with that, but that all happened very slowly. But then when my son was about three, I'd say it was about three, he started really kind of taking the helm on his own healing work. So he did a lot more in preparation, not even realizing that it was in preparation for, but in preparation for our daughter than our, than our son. He was, he was not in the same space um, with our, with our son. And then when we were going through the fertility stuff, um, like he was, he was not in a healthy state then either. Um, and he was in a different, he was in a totally different headspace when we finally did conceive my son uh, with the move and the prospect of building our own place on our own property from the ground up. He lived for that. He loved it so much. Mm. And that was, he had a totally different energy. And I think that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, because that energy that he was bringing to life at that point was so different and so much more positive. Um, even though he still had a lot of healing to do, it was way better than where he had been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just to recap, how long would you say your preconception period was from start to conception with your son? How many years was that? Five and a half, like five, five and a half. And, a half. Mm-hmm. and then how yeah, long after years. his birth did you conceive your daughter? Um, I actually had a miscarriage between them. So I had, my son was born in 2018 and I had a miscarriage in 2021. Yeah, it was 2021, March of 2021. I had, was that right? Yeah, yeah. My grandmother passed away December of 2020. Mm. And look, right, and right before I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter, or with, Right before I found out I was pregnant, I had that miscarriage. I conceived very quickly after that. I did not expect that. It was average, <laughs> like 18 months or longer between mm-hmm. all of my conceptions prior to that. Um, that one was April. I found out I was pregnant in within like three months of having... Uh, of having that miscarriage. I found out I was pregnant with my daughter within three months. I was wow. not expecting that at all, <laughs> <laughs> but there she is. There she is. And would so, you say the second time around, even through all of the miscarriages, did you, what was the energy like around calling in that conception? Cause the first oh, one, it sounded like you so were different. Really <laughs> I was not trying. Not trying, <laughs> not expecting at all. Um, so there were zero expectations, no trying whatsoever. Um, there was a little bit of sadness because mm-hmm. um because of the age difference. So the the age, the maximum age difference within my own siblings um is two and a half years. So there's you know, we're all like two 18 months to two and a half years apart. And I wanted that for my kids. Um, but with, with my son's energy, 
I'm really glad <laughs> that he was four <laughs> mm, uh, because yeah. he was four. So there was a little grief there about how many, the age difference between my kids, because I was wanting them to be a little closer, but um, as I went through my pregnancy and then the first year postpartum, I was so grateful that they were the age difference that they were because he had a big shift at about four in his level of independence, like leading up to four. Um, and then after she was born so much more independence and there is a big shift in that as far he's still very, very attached to me. Very, very close, but the level of independence has changed and his energy and his willingness to be with other people and like prior to, honestly, prior to that, he wouldn't even sleep with my husband. <laughs> you know, it always had to be me. But leading up to about four, it, it started to shift. And then, you know, this first year postpartum, he has been so much more independent. So there was, other than that, that um, that stuff around the sibling age gap, that was, there was... Wow just ease with her it just it just happened and it was so unexpected in that way um mm -hmm. and so it was very different and then I had a totally different um experience in pregnancy I didn't see a provider until I was 30 weeks pregnant um and I only went because I had gotten very sick mm. with uh, the C word. <laughs> um, I had gotten very, very sick and had to, I had to go be rehydrated because I was having such a hard time. Um, and I had, I had, I think I was about 10 days in and I was so sick mm. and that made me nervous because I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know what this does going forward. I'd heard some things. So I went in and I saw, um, I saw the OBGYN that had overseen my pregnancy with Jack. And I saw a maternal fetal medicine specialist, um, that had, that had also been involved with my, my son's pregnancy. And I basically, I got the answers I needed from them. And then I carried on just the way I was, right. <laughs> you know, I got the answers. We had an ultrasound, yeah. um, which eh, maybe I, you know, I don't know if I would <laughs> do it now, but at the time it was very, it was reassuring mm -hmm. after that. I, it was and a what, good, what year was this? Cause was this very early on where there was more was, energy around? Uh, this was like 20, 21 the end of 2021 okay. yeah so or beginning of 2022 I don't uh so I was 30 weeks so I, it would have been around like the very end of 2021 so mm -hmm. still a lot of still a lot of unknown um and they of course they wanted me to do the right. biophysical profiles <laughs> and they wanted me to do non-stress tests and everything else and I I had a, a doula that I had been working with and I talked it I talked it through with her because I'm like I don't know that I need any of that <laughs> but it's amazing how also, quickly they can you know, rope you in 
You know, it's like you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get the answers that I want. And like, once you're there, it's like, oh, and then we're going to do this too. And you should also do this. Maybe you should stay and then come back again next week. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I'm like, "Mm, no, I don't think so. (laughs) So I, uh, I talked it through with her and she's like, well, and she had, she had talked to some uh, midwife colleagues that had, you know, been working through this. And she said, you know, there's no, she said, what they can tell me is that there's no way to predict it. There's really not a way to predict whether you're going to have a problem or not. Um, If it's going to happen, it just happens, you know, just like that. And so she said, you know, personally, I would, I would not. And I was, I, you know, I was kind of, I was already there and I, uh, I had, you know, talked it through with my husband and we were both like, you know, it's just a snapshot. What's it going to do when I'm, when I'm in there for the non-stress test, what are those 15 minutes long or whatever? I'm, I'm in there for 15 minutes. It's going to show a 15 minute snippet in my whole day. You know, even if I do them every day, that's a 15 minute snippet out of 24 hours Yeah, <laughs> that is going to predict or not. And I had, I even asked the maternal fetal medicine specialist, what are, uh, I don't, and I don't remember what the numbers were anymore, but it felt like it was not a huge difference between like twice daily kick counts and all of the monitoring that they wanted me to do. I think, I don't think that it was a huge difference in like percentage of, uh, I, I don't even know what he was measuring. I don't even remember what he was measuring at this point. Um, but I, I don't think it made that big of a difference mm-hmm. is, is what it came down to. And so I just, I did that. I just spent a couple I spend a few minutes a couple times a day just kind of checking in and feeling, feeling her move around and feeling what was happening and then carrying on, you know, like in the, like right in the morning and then right at night, you know, that was a, a, like right before bed, that was a good way to kind of wind down and end my day and just check in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I ended up having her at home. She was born at home in my bed with my doula and my husband. And that was it. And it was wonderful. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> it was hard, hard, but it was uh, so much better. Yeah. Like I will, I will never go to a hospital again if I can avoid it. <laughs> if I can avoid it, I will, I will very much, very much not choose to do a hospital birth again. So yeah. So it was that's been the last probably decade of my, <laughs> my yeah. life has been revolved around wow. um, kind of a stripping down of everything I had known or assumed a lot of assumptions really. Mm-hmm. And just kind of burning all that to the ground and building it back yeah. because that's, that's really what's happened. I've learned so much about, health wellness and my body and um my capacity to do things you know i i got i remember telling somebody early on 
that I wanted to have, you know, wanted natural births. And the response I got was, don't be a hero, (laughs) you know, um, about things. Um, And I'm just like, we can do hard things. Why is that so bad? You know, and I, you know, I ended up doing, you know, five and a half years of really hard things, (laughs) Um, you know, and it was, yeah, it's been such a wild journey, but it needed to happen for me to be where I am right now and for the, me to be on the path that I'm on, it, it needed to happen because if it hadn't, you know, it probably would have been, I mean, I could have gotten pregnant easily and just done a lot more going with the flow and not learned to advocate for myself and not learned to trust my own intuition and not learned to, you know, or maybe I would have at some point, but maybe it would have been harder on my children. Mm. So, you know, if I can take that so that they don't have to, I'm glad. And I'm learning the things that I'm learning now for my daughter is so important to me Mm. because I want her to have a good understanding of her body and her cycles and what is normal. You know, what, what does that actually look like? And that does look like fluctuations. That does look like your body's saying, Hey, you need to slow down and you need to pay attention because I mean, we don't, we suppress and we ignore and we, uh, power through, you know, and we, we force things. We use, we use the fertility meds to force it instead of looking at that and taking that non-answer of unexplained infertility. Instead of taking that, I hate that so much. (laughs) I hate that. It's not, it's a non-answer. Not even a thing. (laughs) It's just not. No, it is. It means you don't know. You can't just say, oh, I don't know. So you say, oh, it's unexplained infertility. (laughs) like you don't actually know what's going on and you're not going to bother to find out you're just going to say hey let's do clomid and let's do you know your trigger shot on this day and have your IUI on this day and you know the the ladies at the clinic that I did my IUIs through were really lovely they were loving caring people who really wanted to see their patients succeed. They really did. Their hearts are absolutely in the right place. But that allopathic mindset of let's make this happen is just, it's not where it's at. It's not, I, you know, I know people within my circle that have done IVF and have done IUIs and felt like that was their only option and then turned around and got pregnant afterwards, surprisingly with a totally natural, spontaneous pregnancy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just that. And I, I always used to listen to those stories and be like, well, that's nice. They can say that because they already had one, Mm. (laughs) you know, we're like, that doesn't happen for everybody, (laughs) you know, but I mean, I think your energy around things shifts and 
then possibly we, what we haven't even gotten into yet as far as uh, charts, the chart, the astrological chart and your transits that might be, yeah. you know, affecting I, I was, things. I was going <laughs> to say, I was, I was say, I know we're going to do a reading after this, but just to to, yeah, bring a little context into your story. Um, and I didn't at the time, you know, obviously I didn't look at your chart with like all of the dates um, or misdates of miscarriages and stuff like that. But I thought it was really interesting because when you first told me a little bit about your story and about how, you know, you, you did this move, which I personally think energetically really created space for the conception to come through. Oh, yeah. You know, in oh, addition, yeah. just symbolically and like physically, um, you know, the actual space itself. And then also, um, you know, just in terms of like, yeah, like the energetic mindset, like the kind of manifestation mm-hmm. aspect of, of yes. what that meant for your family. Oh, um, yeah. But then and then it also all occurred around your Saturn return. Yes. And I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I did see, know that. <laughs> and I see so much of you in my story too, just because you, you know, the, the moment in which you conceived your Saturn conjunction was pretty much in the exact same place in terms of the closeness <laughs> of the conjunction. Yeah. And mine was when I, <laughs> on, I was like, Oh my God, this must be like a thing. Like I got to oh, That's exciting. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, uh, oh, and then also like even just you talking about the moving through the grief around the age gap there, there's so Mm -hmm. much programming around the age gap of our children and the whole, like, there's a lot of stories there, whatever, however you grew up, right? Like my family story is that, um, oh, if they're not close together, they won't be friends. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> now, now I have my closest sibling relationship is with mm-hmm. the sister that's closest to me in age. Mm-hmm. We're also we also live five minutes apart Aww. and we're both moms at the same time, you mm-hmm. know, so she is my closest sibling relationship. But, you know, I mean, I, I mean, also that, have good that relationships with everybody. Right. Yeah. Does it? Play <laughs> but also, you have kids? a lot of siblings. So, like, are they? Yeah. All, does it really all align within all of the siblings? Uh, no, <laughs> not really. There's right. another really close. Well, there. Uh, yeah, there was another. There is another really close sibling mm-hmm. relationship, and they are they're the ones that are real mm-hmm. close together. But um, my husband is two and a half years older than my brother in law, and they are not close at all. Right. Like they're not close at all. And that was one of the things that he told me is he's like, look at me and my brother. We are not yeah. close at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, you guys went to public school and you weren't homeschooled. And there were <laughs> a thousand of you. <laughs> you know, that's like, problem. I just, like it's, that, there's lots of explanations for that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, there's a lot of there's a little there's a lot of stories around the age gap. And, you know, because yes. of the path that my family has chosen to walk for the past three years, there's been a lot of grief around feeling like the time is going by and I'm watching my daughter get yeah. older and I am not pregnant. 
And it's just like, mm-hmm. and then each, each month and each year and each birthday. And you're like, it is yes. so, there's just like so much grief, um, uh-huh. around that. So I was really like, yeah, I seeing you and feeling that part of your story. Yes. And then there was another part that I really felt reflection in, but anyway, I guess I'll go back to, yeah, the, the Saturn return thing. Cause I was looking at your chart and, um, I didn't look at all of the fertility transits. And like I said, I didn't have like all the dates of the miscarriages or things like that. But I Mm -hmm. I did think that it was interesting that between September 2014 and December 2015, your Saturn, your transiting Saturn was in conjunction with your natal moon. And that is a really unfavorable placement for conception. Um, and I've, I've seen this with other women, too, where they'll be kind of in a season of infertility, unexplained infertility, and mm-hmm. Saturn will be transiting their natal moon. And I'll, it's just yeah. like, well, don't just don't worry about it, because it's, not, it's probably <laughs> not literally this the like a time. <laughs> right now, you know. Um, but and, and then once, <laughs> yeah. once Saturn left that conjunction, it went immediately into conjunction with your natal Saturn, which is your Saturn return. So like there was like a, a <laughs> yeah. like like a two, you know, three year period where Saturn was like making these major like transits through key places in your chart. Um yeah. And then you conceived during as Saturn was kind of like leaving, it was like exiting your Saturn return. Right. Like it was it, so like it, had just passed, <laughs> it was like, probably, bye. <laughs> probably the place it was probably perfectly conjunct when you were moving. Right. And like going through that. Probably, big probably. And then like it was like on its way mm-hmm. out. And then actually, as it was on its way out, Jupiter was entering into your fifth house, which is the house of children. And so there, it was yeah. like it was oh, perfect yeah. moment um, after all of those that lessons was. and all of that work. Yeah, I thought that was really, really beautiful. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. That is really cool. <laughs> that is very cool. Yeah. Because so I, I, yeah, that, that aspect of it never would have entered my mind. It never did enter my mind yeah. until now. <laughs> And I can look at it in retrospect and see and be like, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, see, looking at looking at our timelines in retrospect in relation to astrology is always kind of a really great entry point into seeing and understanding how the energetics work because sometimes Mm -hmm. for people like for people who are skeptical you know if you look ahead and try to predict things then it's easy to say oh well now you've put the idea into my head and you know I'm gonna actualize it into reality Uh right but like if you if you have no knowledge of what's going on in terms of cosmic weather and then you look back in time and all these things line up then you're kind of like, oh, <laughs> like, I guess this it's like, is happening. <laughs> okay, I see it now. <laughs> this, so, is <laughs> this is real. This is real. This is real. It does happen. Yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to, to, to put that context into the story because <laughs> I thought that was like really, yeah, I thought that was really cool that there was some really major transits going on for you. Yeah. And it really aligns with like, the path that you were on and the shifts that you made mm-hmm. in your story. So, yeah. 
Well, I feel all goose pimply (laughs) and tingly and just you, you are giving me so many chills too. And you're just (laughs) concluding like, you know, all of the lessons and how valuable the experience was. So, you know, so you were preconception for five years. Um, Mm -hmm. That's really, and I think it's important. Part of why I want to share these stories is because I, I want other women to know too, that you can be in preconception for an, you know, quote unquote, not normal amount of time. And it, you know, you don't have to label yourself with these horrible words, right? You don't have to collapse into the identity of a fertile woman. Yes. That, and that's important because that, it just casts a, it casts a spell Mm. over all of it. Mm -hmm. And you can, um, you can try to avoid that all you like, but you you Google it. Like, how long should it take to get pregnant? And then they tell you, like, a year if you're under 35. Six months if you're over. Oh, God forbid you if you're your old. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yes. So they tell you that, and you you immediately start, what's, what's wrong with me? you immediately go down that path. So it's, it's just right there. You don't even have to ask for it or have that thought yourself. It just gets dropped in your lap. Like doesn't take you a year. There must be something wrong with you. And man, that's defeating. (laughs) That is so defeating when you, I, I don't know. It just, it's, you're defeated from the, from the start. And instead of, you know, understanding that that could be maybe your normal or something in the stars or something that your body is asking for, even if the stars are aligned, if your body isn't in a state of wellness, is that actually going to come to fruition? Probably not. Right. Instead of looking at the big picture you immediately start going to what is wrong with me and how do I fix it? And you, you don't hold space for your, your body to heal. You just start forcing things upon it. You don't hold space for the passage of time. You just try to make it happen. And that was, that is a huge lesson that I needed to learn. And that I'm, you know, still learning, but that was a that was a conversation my husband and ha- I had over and over. You know, maybe it's just not the right time. He was very m- much there, even though even though you know he had all his own stuff. He was very there at that point. Like maybe it's this is our normal. Maybe this is just maybe it's just going to take longer, and maybe that's okay. Maybe we don't need to force it. And I just I didn't want to hear it. And I, all of those, every one of those lessons, I learned kicking and screaming (laughs) the entire way. (laughs) Learned them kicking and screaming. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I did. Sometimes that is the way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, maybe, maybe that's going to facilitate ease and learning some other lessons that I'm going to have to learn in this life, you know? Um, But uh, it was I'm, I'm glad I'm grateful for the experience. Um, it has, it was such a defining period 
Um, and it still is, but not for the same reasons. It's not, um, it's not defining for the reasons that it was then. It's not that, oh, this thing happened to me or, oh, this terrible thing that I went through or whatever. It was, it's defining in the sense that it was such a huge, um, shift. It was such a huge shift for me in learning about, um, advocating for myself and trusting my intuition in, um, health, just health and wellness and taking care of, taking care of my body and coming, you know, starting the process of understanding, um, what, what normal might actually look like or, um, what help actually is like, because we have a very low standard when it comes to what health looks like in our society. You know, we have a terrible, a terribly low bar, (laughs) um, you know, just because you're not on prescriptions doesn't mean you're well. Cause I, I wasn't on prescriptions and I can tell you I was not well. And, you know, we're, I'm, I'm still working on that. I'm going to probably work on that for the rest of my life. But this, this experience was just, it it was what I needed. It was powerful medicine that I needed at that time to influence the, the trajectory of my life and my wellness. And, you know, there's, that's another layer that our, our children choose to come through when they choose to come through. You know, my son is a fire. He is just, he is, he is persistent and wild and more, and he is spirited. Um, and I don't know that I would have had the capacity mm. to parent him the way he needs to be parented if he had shown up when I was 23 you know, as opposed to when I was 29, you know, I don't know that I would have had the capacity to do that. And he, he's here because he needs to be here right now. And that's a, that's a whole other aspect of it that we don't really think about that our children choose to come through for a reason. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, is so much more than putting us in a little box of like 12 months to or six months <laughs> based on your age you know it's so much more than just that and it just we don't we don't approach that mindfully we don't approach that with any kind of intention or uh, even consciousness of it you know we just we don't we just think it's it we make it about us you know it's about us and what we want right now Mm-hmm. And at least that's that's what happened to me. <laughs> that's what I did. And yeah, I hear you it's, so it's such a it's such a layered, layered thing to go through. But it needed to happen. And I'm I I cannot say that I wish I would have changed that if I could go back and tell myself then um to that what I need to do is lean in and what I need to do is listen then maybe it would have been a little easier, but I needed to learn everything that I learned. So yeah, I I don't think I would change anything. 
I hear you. And I, I thank you so much for sharing <laughs> your beautiful story. And there's so many pieces there that align with what we share um, on Cosmic Conceptions. And it feels yeah. nice to have, yeah, um, kin and <laughs> <laughs> carrying the, this yes. torch and yes. hearing your story. So but before we go, I feel for some reason in, inspired to ask... Um, what does motherhood mean to you? Oh, that is is a big question. (laughs) Um, It is, motherhood is power. Um, We as mothers have so much power in the way life looks for our family. We have power in the decisions we make for our children. We have power um, just in shifting how the world looks in how we parent our children. You know, we, we carry so much power. And in our society, especially, it is really easy to get stuck in the hard, the hard things about motherhood because it is, it is hard. It is relentless and it is sometimes thanks, thankless, you know, in the sense that our kids aren't supposed to see us or recognize our needs or anything because they're just not developmentally there, you know? Um, So sometimes it is really easy to get stuck in the hard things about it, but we have just a tremendous amount of power in shaping the world and our homes and our lives. And that's sacred. I think it's sacred. And it is um, not for the faint of heart, <laughs> especially if you have kids that are more on some level. Um, you know, my son is absolutely more and he has been a huge joy and a huge challenge and he's he's the lessons that I'm learning now you know um I think yeah that's that's perfect that's yeah (laughs) I think that's that's it it's um yeah it's sacred and it's powerful That's all for today, ladies. I hope you enjoyed. Please consider sharing with a friend or a sister who might be in need of hearing this medicine and be sure to check out the links in the show notes to access my Cosmic Conception Diaries, the bonus material, and please consider being a paying supporter of the show. Love you so much. See you next time.